Bob. I want to thank everyone who has uh, worked and labored and prepared and cooked and uh, made desserts and all the cookies and all the things that you've done. Uh, we have marshaled together as a body of believers to present Jesus to our community. And that's what we're told to do. Not just one week out of the year, but 52 weeks out of the year. And this is just one way that God has given us an opportunity, and thank you so much for your participation. Some of you would love to help, and you, you might say that my days of staying here till 10, 10.30 at night doing something are over. But you know, when you are here serving, I am home praying, and I'm interceding. And so I do trust that you'll do that. Make sure and do that, because God answers prayer. It was about 15 years ago that George W. Bush decided that he wanted to go to a very small town that no one had ever heard of and on July the 4th uh, for Independence Day. And I was pastoring in Ripley, West Virginia. Ripley, believe it or not. And that's where we were. And uh, somehow God worked it out with a, with a series of circumstances that they picked and selected Ripley, West Virginia for, uh, for him to come and to address the nation uh, from there at the steps of the courthouse there in Ripley. And that was an amazing thing. And I, I had the privilege of, of being there where the landing zone was. I was potentially going to be one of the drivers and, and uh, for, for the press corps, uh, driving one of the Suburbans. And it didn't have to actually had extra, had extra drivers, extra vehicles, and all those kinds of things as they always do. They have redundancy of everything. And so it turned out that, that I got uh, boxed out and didn't have to do that. So I went to a safe distance away where they put me, and I could hear the choppers coming. I could hear Marine One, all three of, all three of those uh, identical uh, helicopters that they have uh, when, when the president is in one of those helicopters. And then the Chinooks and the Marines and all of that, that that came with them, and they all landed and, you know, just shaking the place as, as they landed. And I heard someone say, the president is coming. The president is coming. Let me tell you, there was a night when the word came from the angels, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is here. Take your Bibles, please, and look in Luke chapter 1. The title of the message as we look into this passage is Jesus is Coming. I hope that, that uh, as you realize that when they announced that he was coming, he came. And then he, and then he left and he said, I'll be coming back. Let me tell you as a preacher of the gospel, again, this title is true for us today. Jesus is coming. Now, I may not hear the, the sound of his coming at the moment. But my friend, when you hear the sound of his coming, it'll be too late. Because it'll be right then, the sound of the trumpet, the voice of the archangel trump of God, the Bible says. And, uh, and, and the Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the rapture will take place. I hope that you're ready to meet Jesus Christ. We read this passage. We won't read it again. Uh, but I'd like to read just the first couple of verses as we begin. Verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. Thank you so much for following along. The Bible says, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you, Lord, that we can worship Jesus today. Lord, we serve a risen Savior. 
And I thank you, Lord, that he's still reaching out to lost souls. I thank you, Lord, for saving my lost soul. And, Lord, I'm a sinner deserving of hell. And, Lord, you reach down in your grace and your mercy and in your power. Lord, you forgave my sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I pray now that if there's one person that does not know you in that same personal forgiveness that you offer today, I pray, Lord, that this morning that they would invite Jesus Christ to be their Savior. Lord, he is the Savior, but, Lord, help them to be their Savior, I pray. Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts now. Help us to, uh, to magnify you by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray these things trusting you now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to uh, call your attention to just a few things here in the few moments that we have. We'll try to keep you very long. It's, uh, it's been a long week for many of you, and uh, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. I'd like to point out that Jesus is coming, and a messenger brought that. A messenger brought that uh, message to us. We find in verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Now, Gabriel was used in this chapter earlier. And uh, throughout, throughout the history that God has, has used angels, we have these two times that Gabriel was named, uh, both in naming uh, John the Baptist and also in informing Mary that she would be carrying the Christ child. Notice something with me. Look at verse 28. I'd like to point out something about Gabriel. The Bible says in verse 28, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his appearance. No, that's not what the Bible says, is it? She was troubled at what? At his what? At his saying. And cast her into mind what manner of salutation this should be. It's interesting in the Word of God that we realize that angels sometimes appear to mankind very normally. You know, the message of God can be brought to you in very normal ways. Um, it sometimes is through a preacher. Sometimes it's through circumstances. Sometimes it's through reading his word. Sometimes it's by the Spirit of God speaking within your heart. But very rarely is there a star in the sky that leads you to Christ. Very rarely is there, is there some bright angel that appears to you. And notice if Gabriel had not been veiled in camouflage, in human, human camouflage as it were, she would have probably been so scared at what she saw. But you see, she wasn't scared of what she saw. She was scared of what she heard. I mean, here's this guy walking up to her that she never met. And he, he says, Hail, thou art highly favored. Blessed art thou among women. The Lord is with thee. You talking to me? Nobody else here. The message of God, when God speaks to your heart, don't downplay the fact that God is speaking to you personally. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give you his love. He wants to reach out to you personally. He is a personal God. He's not somebody else's God. He wants to be your God. He doesn't want to be just somebody else's best friend. He wants to be your best friend. And this is a messenger sent from God, the Bible says, to Mary. The messenger, we see the messenger sent and, and dispatched. He appeared normally, and he appeared personally, personally. I don't know how God is going to speak to you this week, but he wants to speak to you. 
Would you please be sensitive to him? You say, well, how do I, how do I uh, hear his voice? Well, get used to what he says, okay? Get into the word of God. He'll speak the loudest and the strongest through his living word. Uh, you know, folks, I, I, I'm of the old school. I'm of the old school. I think that when you come to church, you ought to bring your Bible, okay? When I went to math class, I got in trouble for not bringing my math textbook, you know? Uh, I got docked on my, on my points if we didn't have our book, you know? Uh, when you come to church, you ought to have your Bible. Uh, you, you ought not have to look for your Bible, you know, and where is my Bible? You know, like losing your keys. Uh, this should be the, the love letter of God to your heart. And you need to spend time in it every day. And it's amazing how you get used to his voice. There was someone that called me, and I hadn't heard this person's voice in a long, long time. And this person gave me their first name on the phone. And I had to make every excuse under the sun because I, I felt so badly because I hadn't really talked to this person in probably over two years. And uh, this person called me on the phone and gave me the first name. And I, I tried my best to put it in context. And I listened real clearly. And I made excuses. I said, boy, I think we've got a bad connection. You know, could you? And I, I'd, I'd listen and listen. And, and so finally I said, I, I apologize. I'm sorry. I, 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 can't, I can't really understand uh, your voice very well. Will you tell me your last name? And they told me their last name. And I was, you know, em embarrassed. But I realized why I didn't recognize the voice. Hadn't spoken to him in so long. You know, you know, listen, please. A lot of people don't recognize God's voice and God's message that it came from God because they haven't talked to him in an awful long time. Recognize his voice. He wants to speak personally to you. He doesn't just speak to preachers. He speaks to people. I'm a people. <laughs> I'm a people. I'm a person. So are you. The messenger... And then let's, let's look at the, at the members that are mentioned here. The Bible, as we just, just dig into this, the Bible says he was sent unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, I'll tell you something. Nazareth had nothing to brag about. In fact, didn't one of the disciples say when Nathaniel said, I believe it was, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I mean, what in the world good? I mean, it'd be kind of like us as Americans. You know, uh, can any good thing come out of Las Vegas? Or can any good thing come out of Washington, D.C.? You know? You know, it's, 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 a, it's an amazing thing that, that they would look at Nazareth, a little, little dot on a map that nobody really knew and, and was insignificant and obscure, and that the king of kings would enter the world at that point there, for, for Nazareth, that it's, it's an amazing thing. I know he was born in Bethlehem, and that was even more obscure. And, uh, but this, this, is where, this is where they hailed from, Nazareth, to a virgin, a spouse, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Now, I, I remind you, if you're, if you're a student of the Word of God and studying the Old Testament, you remember that there was a king named Jeconiah. And in Jeremiah... Uh, chapter 22 and verse 30, if you want to jot down that reference and look it up later, Jeremiah 22, 30, uh, God pronounced a curse upon the, the heirs and, and those who would follow uh, Jeconiah. And he said that there would not be the, the royal throne passed on down through his lineage. Joseph was of that lineage. He was of the lineage of David through Jeconiah. But let me tell you something. 
that curse did not come upon Jesus Christ because Matthew tells us that in the lineage of Joseph, we find in those 42 generations from Abraham unto Jesus, we find that through, through Jeconiah that that curse came, that that curse was on the bloodline through Jeconiah, which bloodline did not pass on to Jesus Christ because he was born of a virgin and was not born as a result of Joseph. The virgin birth, virgin birth is very important. It's put there in, in place right here on purpose. He had the kingly right legally, but he did not carry the curse spiritually. So that's a wonderful thing. Just an interesting uh, side point there about Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The Bible tells us uh, in Isaiah 7, 14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. A virgin shall conceive. Not a maid, not a young lady, not a young woman. Uh, some, some translations of the Word of God attack the divinity and, and, uh, and the clarity of, of God's holy Word. A virgin shall conceive. Very, very important here. Whose name was Mary? She was introduced. She was not known before this time. A young lady. And, uh, and, and we, we find some interesting things uh, about Joseph. Joseph uh, was just a carpenter, but he was in the kingly line. We find Mary... The Bible says, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Thou art highly favored, the angel said. And when he, when he addressed her, it's interesting, when he said, Hail, thou art highly favored. Thou that art highly favored. Hail. I looked up that word, hail. It's, it's not just high. If we were to say in the same fashion, it'd be something like this. Well, hello, good to see you. It was that kind of rejoicing kind of greeting. Hail. It just all, you know, in, in, in one word there. But it was, it was not used very, very often in, in the Bible. We don't find that. It was, oh, it's so good to see you. Highly favored. Boy, you're, you're special. You're honored. The grace of God's upon you. Here the angel gets to see the young lady who would deliver and bear the Christ child into the world. Gabriel was excited about that. Later on in Mary's life, she would be looked upon as an adulteress. She would be called all kinds of horrible names. Jesus, uh, whenever, whenever the, the Jews and the Pharisees and, and they said, we be not born of fornication, that was an attack on his mother that was an attack on her. But you know, I encourage you to, to think about this. It really doesn't matter what the world thinks about you. It matters what God knows about you. They may call you all kinds of names. They may misunderstand you. God may put you in a situation that you cannot explain. She couldn't explain this. And yet, she trusted God. Almighty God. She didn't volunteer. She didn't say, ooh, 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 let me, let me. God chose her. God's going to choose you to do something in his plan. Some of you, God has chosen you to do something this past weekend and this coming weekend. And you may, you may wonder, why in the world am I, am I doing what I'm doing? 
helping to point people to Jesus Christ. God's going to use you. Some of you have, have brought people a journey through Christmas. You've handed out tickets. You've invited people. It doesn't matter what people think about you if they misunderstand your motives. It matters what God knows about you. We saw the messenger and the members. Quickly, let's look at the message. The Bible says in, in verse number 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. The name Jesus means, you know what it means? It means Savior. It's the New Testament version of the Old Testament name Joshua, which also in the Hebrew means Savior. Is it your Savior? He's a Savior of the whole world, but that does not mean that the whole world is saved. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, John 1, 12. You have to personally receive him. The offer of salvation is given to you, presented to you personally. When did you personally receive Jesus as your Savior? So, well, preacher, I, I think I've always been saved. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. What? How dare you? You're obnoxious. No, I'm not. I'm just quoting the Lord. You see, there was a man who thought that he was okay, and that he was saved, and he was going to heaven. He was a religious man. In fact, he was a, he was a top of the totem pole in religion, of the Jewish religion. Salvation is of the Jews. If anybody's going to go to heaven, it'd be a Jew, and it'd be a Jew who, who is the top of, 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 the, of, the, of the heap. His name was Nicodemus. And he, Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Born again. Jesus, your Savior. For me, I was born again when I was just a little boy. Somehow in God's grace, God got a hold of my heart. When I was six years old, I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and life and to forgive my sins and save my soul. I put my trust in Him as my Savior, that He died on the cross for me, for my sins. He rose again from the dead. I believed it all. And I ask him to be my Savior. My faith and trust is put in Jesus. Now, as a little kid, I wouldn't know what date or day it would have been. But no one can shake in my memory where I was and the surroundings and, and, and the, the man that helped me, the man that pointed me to Christ and, and sitting on that metal chair in the basement of that church in Cross Lanes, West Virginia. I remember where I was. I may not remember the date, but I thank God that my mother wrote down, was kind enough, and she wrote down the front of my little Bible, my little red Bible that I carried to church that they gave, they gave to me. They wrote down the front of my little red Bible the date that I got saved. And so I can remember the birth date because she wrote it down. But, you know, if I did not have the date, it wouldn't change the fact that I got born again that night. No one could change my mind about that because heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Now listen, please. I didn't see any angels. I didn't hear any singing. But I had a peace that flooded my soul that I didn't have to worry about my sins anymore, that they were gone under the blood of, of Jesus Christ. When did you meet Jesus personally? That's what I'm talking about. We cannot work our way to heaven. He's our Savior. 
the messenger. And the message, he goes on to say, verse 32, look at this, this is neat. He shall be great and shall, watch this, shall be called the Son of the Highest. This speaks of his divinity. My friend, Jesus Christ is not just a prophet. He's not just a teacher. Some would say today that he's a prophet like any other prophet. He's a prophet like Muhammad. My friend, he's, Jesus Christ is the Son of the Highest, his divinity. When he was there in the manger, he was God Almighty, divine, the second person of the Trinity. He did not become God. He always has been God. The Bible says he should be called the Son of the Highest, his divinity. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David. Speaks of his royalty. Speaks of his royalty. He's going to rule and reign there in Jerusalem on the throne of David for a thousand years. We find that. And then he will continue to, to rule and to reign. His royalty. Read on, please, verse 33. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. When you think of Jacob, when you think of him, I think of his humanity. There's not a lot that Jacob, as we read in the Old Testament, has to brag about. Honestly, Jacob before he wrestled with, with the Lord and before the Lord changed his name and before all of that, uh, he, he was not someone to be trusted. And, and he reminds me of sinful humanity, our sinful nature. And Jesus Christ, he was encased, he was encapsulated in human form. And people thought because he looked like and sounded like everyone else that he was just like everyone else. Except for the fact whenever they watched him, and whenever they were around him, and whenever they lived with him, they realized that he never did anything wrong, never committed one sin. In fact, he went so far as to say to his, to his accusers, which of you convinceth me of sin? We see his humanity in his perfect humanity. And then look at the end of verse, uh, verse number 33. The Bible says, And of his kingdom there shall be no end. His eternality. His eternality. When Jesus says to us, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That means for eternity. In John chapter 10, the Bible tells us, that those who believe in him shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one, he said. The eternality of God. The eternality of Jesus Christ. The message. I'd like to show you one, one other verse, if you'd be so kind, if, if you could flip over with me to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. Let me show you where this fits into you, okay? Do you remember when the angel, the very first words after he said, boy, it's good to see you, hail, he said, thou that art highly favored. That is only used one other time. The original language of that, of that word, highly favored, those two words, one Greek word, it's only used one other time in the New Testament. And it's in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. Look at it, please, with me. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. That Greek word is translated 
here in this passage is translated accepted. Now, who's he talking about here? To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, highly favored. To where that you and I can have the same kind of greeting as a child of God that Mary had. Now, we do not worship Mary. Mary is not divine. Mary was a human vessel, a faithful young lady that had a humble heart, an obedient spirit, wanted to glorify God, submissive to, to God's direction in their life. By the way, though that's the equation of the, that, that God can use in any one of us. If we have a humble spirit, submissive to his will, surrendered, that was Mary's heart. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a child of God, we are accepted in the beloved. We are highly favored. The word has the same, same root word uh, that, that where we get the word grace from. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, now I'm found. T'was blind, but now I see. We go out there in the journey through Christmas and we, we leave the Bethlehem scene there at the manger. And those big gate doors open. And you're 30 years later in the life of Christ. And as you walk out there and you see this group of people out there in the yard, there's hay bales, there's a house. There's kind of sad music kind of playing, you know, soft music and things. And you see this, this little boy and, and, and he has a cane. He looks like he's about 80 years old because he can't walk, you know. And he, he's been lame from birth. And he comes up to Jesus, and Jesus kneels down and touches his leg. And you see that boy leap. You see the, the, the lady that was, uh, had the issue of blood for years, and God heals her. The one that was blind can see. And then Jairus brings out his daughter that has just died just hours ago. And Jesus raises him or raises her from the dead. My friend, God is still in the miracle working business. You say, well, does God care about me? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with your grief. Do you know him in that personal way? Have you met him? Has there been a time in your life when Jesus Christ became your Savior. He left heaven. Get the picture. He left heaven and was born in a stall, laid in a feeding trough, in hay, with dirty animals all around him. He left the throne of glory and streets of gold and traded it all, knowing that one day he would hang upon a cross suffering and dying. And listen, please, nobody killed Jesus Christ. The Romans did not kill Jesus Christ. The Jews did not kill Jesus Christ. Someone who's really spiritual might say, well, we killed Jesus Christ with our sins. <laughs> Let me tell you how Jesus Christ died. The Bible says he willingly gave up the ghost. 
he gave his life. If necessary to complete the plan of redemption, he could have hung on that cross for a year if necessary. But he completed all the plan of redemption. So he cried the victor's cry. At the end, he said, it is finished. I mean, this was the same one who was, who was pulling up to breathe, the same one who was suffering, the same one who was weak from blood loss, the same one who, who had no strength left in him. There at the end, it thrilled him to say, not, it is. The Bible said he cried with a loud voice. It is finished. It's done. And then he gave up the ghost and he died. And the countdown began. In a boxing ring, somebody goes down on the mat. They count one, two, three. Countdown went different. The countdown the devil heard, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and up from the grave he arose. He did that for you and for me so that he could be our high priest. Do you know him today? If not, would you let me point you to him? You see, he does the saving. We can't. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Some of you would say, preacher, I don't know what to do, and I'm, I'm kind of new around here, and, but it seems like that God is speaking to my heart. I don't know if I died right now, if heaven be my home. I don't know that I'm saved, but preacher, I'm concerned about that. Would you pray? and tell Jesus what's on your heart? Would you pray and tell him that you want him to be your Savior? You might say, oh, preacher, I don't know exactly what to do or how to do that. Then let me help you. If you will pray from your heart and mean this prayer from your heart, not my words, but your words to the Lord, he'll hear your prayer. He will save your soul. In the privacy and the stillness of this moment, would you whisper this to God and mean it from your heart? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again like the Bible says. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I'm trusting you, Lord Jesus, for my salvation. Come into my heart and my life and save my soul. Jesus, I'm trusting you to take me to heaven. Thank you for saving me.